such a great day. I love Easter. Uh, it really sets us apart from other religions, sets us apart from uh, other th- Uh, beliefs because we know that the one that we believe in wasn't just a good teacher, wasn't just a good prophet, but he lived, he bore our sin, he died on the cross, he raised from the dead. Our Savior Jesus is alive and we celebrate that today and because he lives, we live in him. And so we're so grateful, we're so thankful about that. If you're, you're standing before you uh, are seated, if you're seated wherever you are, uh, just say this. Say, God is preparing me for what he's prepared for me. So when I arrive at that place, I will occupy it. It will not occupy me. Praise the Lord. We're living in a day where it seems like we don't know what the end is, but God does know what the end is. We're living in a critical and crucial time. God is preparing us, I believe, with all of my heart. As we as the church begin to look and understand and take advantage of this slowdown, the time that we have with our family, the time that we have at home, the time that we have to draw near to God, I believe that He is working a work in us to create a dynamic change. And as this Easter Sunday, we're talking about a true coming out of the grave. We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that even through this circumstance of coronavirus, I believe God is doing something in us that we are going to come out of it with life. We're going to come out of it with strength. We're going to come out of it afresh and anew in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I believe this Easter is incredibly significant. It may seem different, and certainly I can't wait till next Easter when we're all together again. (laughs) But uh, it it may seem so different, but as Pastor Tasha said, you know what? Easter didn't get canceled. Jesus raised from the dead. Easter happened, and it's so awesome that it happened. And I believe that just as we celebrate it in our situation, the knowledge of it becomes even more significant to us Because if the grave could not hold him down, there is nothing that can hold us down and keep us from the very plan of God. And so uh, I'm excited today. I have just a couple of things that I want to remind you of. Uh, The announcements did that to uh, go on to the online church tile in our app. Let us know uh, uh, that you're here, that you participated with us. I want to thank those of you who have made Jesus. You've prayed the prayer of salvation to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, that you have uh, uh, logged in with us, that you have told us that that's happened so that we can send you some information. And so we're so thankful for those people who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior in this time. And uh, we believe it's going to have great impact in that way. Uh, continue in that helping hands. I want to just tell you today that when the service is over, after we finish communion, after we say what God did in Christ Jesus, don't turn it off because immediately following that, just make sure your kids are with you. We're going to have a little virtual Easter egg hunt. And so uh, you want to stay tuned for that, uh, the virtual Easter egg hunt. Praise the Lord. And so praise the Lord. Well, let's just uh, get ready to get into the word. You know, uh, as we celebrate this Easter and uh, we look uh, at Easter, you know, so often we're looking at the whole package. First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We talk about the preaching of the cross, we're talking about Jesus' death, burial, 
and resurrection. It's everything that surrounded the cross. And for us, it is the very power to live that life. And on Good Friday, 2,000 years ago or somewhere in that place, uh, it was a very dark day. It says even from the hour, the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness covered the earth. And at that ninth hour, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And shortly after that, he just gave his spirit into God's hand and he died. Seemed like a very hopeless time and his disciples who had really counted on him did not understand what the future held. You know, I, I know the dynamics of that are, are really tremendously different, but picture yourself for a moment, the disciples, as we say, what's the, what's the new normal now? How are we going to come out of this? What does this look like? And that Good Friday, when Jesus died, they thought that their future, they're walking with Jesus. Jesus is healing the sick. In their minds, he's going to set up his kingdom right there. They're going to be with him. They're going to watch this total transformation take place that they've heard about because he's the Messiah. And they watch him die on the cross. They watch him be brutally beaten. And he doesn't say a word. And they watch that darkness cover the earth and they watch them put him in a tomb. They've got to be wondering, what is next for us? How do we move forward? But you know, God had a plan and God had told them about that plan. And we know it now. We, we look back, we look at Good Friday and it's a great day for us because we can see the resurrection from where we're at. But they're looking and they're, they go into isolation. They hide themselves and, and, and wait for that day. That Easter Sunday morning when Jesus came out of the grave. When Jesus came out of the grave and eventually he visited with his disciples, now the future became more clear. They began to see that what he had told them and, and how that was going to be and what he was going to do. And hope arose. And hope should arise in our hearts because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 1, in verse 18, I want to read this from the New Living Translation. It says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Jesus said, I was the one that was dead, but now I'm alive forever and ever. I'll never die again, and I have the keys of death and the grave to give you hope. The Apostle Paul, who had this amazing encounter with Jesus, he said this as he was writing to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter 3, and starting in verse 10, it says, this was Paul's heart's desire. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul's heart's desire was to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, in order to know that, I must have this communion, this fellowship, not just thinking about the fellowship with his resurrection, but I have to have the fellowship with his death. There's something that takes place there in the whole process. Last Sunday night, we were talking about the change that takes place. And last Sunday, you know, really looking to the process and even from Easter, when we talk about it, there was a process that took place. And so I want to launch into our message today. And really, the, the, the foundation of our message today is in Romans, the sixth chapter. 
in the first verse. And we're going to go through the 14th verse and read this. And approaching this, Paul had just wrote what we, written what we know as uh, Romans, the fifth chapter, where he explained that Adam's sin brought condemnation, but Jesus' obedience to the cross brought justification. And he told them if they would go ahead and receive this gift of righteousness, this amazing grace, this empowerment of God, this favor that God put upon them, that they would reign in life through Jesus Christ. And then he told them, he said, listen, this is the reason, because where, great, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. He's trying to tell them that really, almost like the Old Testament prophet said, when, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard against it, and where sin seemed to be abounding and capturing the lives of people, God said, I brought in a grace and raised up a tremendous standard against sin. So wherever sin seems to be coming in and abounding, he says, I'll put up a standard of grace. They weren't understanding what he was saying. They said, so should we just go ahead and sin so we can see grace abound? And Paul answered and he said, God forbid, that, that's not really what I was looking for, the question. And so he went on to say in, in, in the sixth chapter, the first verse, he said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace would abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him in baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in a newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has been freed from sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, and death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it and its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And that your members are instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but you are under grace. I want to talk to us this morning that as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we should be celebrating our resurrection to a newness of life. Because when he was raised from the dead, we were raised with him to a newness of life. And so this process that he begins to talk about here is so significant to us. And the Apostle Paul understood this when he said, listen, if I want to understand the power of his resurrection, then I must also have fellowship with his sufferings and understand his death so that if by any means I might attain to that resurrection life. And so he begins to explain right here at the beginning. He says, why would we sin just to see grace abound? Don't we understand that when 
Christ died, we died with him. And he said, you have to understand this and count yourself and understand that we were buried with him in baptism. And so we began to think about that baptism, but Jesus really includes us in so many ways. Even when he was talking to his disciples in Matthew, the 16th chapter, he begins to tell them, he tells them the story here, and he, said, he says he began to tell them how he would suffer and he would die, and the third day he would be raised from the dead. And Peter jumps up and said, let it not be so. And Jesus told him, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. But in the 24th verse, then Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I believe he's talking about the same thing to his disciples, the revelation that the Apostle Paul had, the revelation that he wants us to have, and that is this, that when we take up our cross, we are saying there is a place where we understand that when he died, we died with him. The old man that was governed by sin and death and governed by the condemnation that came out of Adam's sin, we must understand that that man, that old man, was buried with him. That we come to the cross and we say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and say with the Apostle Paul that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. See, he had to say, listen, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to count myself as crucified with him, buried. It's so important to understand that baptism is not just going down and coming up cleansed. But it's going down and leaving the old man behind and coming up new. It's one thing to come up and say, whew, I feel cleansed. It's another thing to come up and know that I'm brand new. The old man has passed away, and behold, everything has now become new. That, that is God's plan. And so when we look at that and we think, you know what, I'm just going to be baptized in water and for the forgiveness of sin, we want to understand this about the cross and then about the resurrection. Because when we count ourselves dead and buried. He said, listen, if you count yourself as buried in baptism with Christ, then you understand that just as the glory of God raised Jesus, the glory of God wants to raise us to a newness of life. I want you to hear that. I want you to know that. I want that to get ingrained in our hearts right now in this place. There's a newness of life. Even after this coronavirus, there's going to be a newness of life. Are we going to be ready to walk in a new way, in a new fashion, at a new time in our generation that won't be normal. It'll be a different kind of thing, but we, the church, have a time to say, I'm going to embrace resurrection life. I'm going to embrace a newness of life that comes from understanding that if Jesus raised from the dead, I too raised from the deadness of sin. So at the cross where his blood was shed and the price was paid, we find justification. But in the resurrection, we find sanctification. 
We identify with Christ and the price was paid. And because the blood was shed and the price was paid and by his stripes we were healed. It was paid. We were justified. We were made righteous. But now the power of the Holy Spirit raises us up and separates us from the old life to infuse us with new life, new nature, new outcomes in life. And so we begin to look and we begin to understand what Jesus was talking about when he said that a seed must first fall to the ground and die before it can come up and produce fruit. And so Paul is telling us that. He said, you have to understand that you were buried. Your old man was buried. He's not on life support somewhere hoping that if, you know, when this is over, I can go back to the same old way. No, your old man is buried, put to death, and now he's raised to a newness of life. He's raised by the glory of God. And so Romans, the eighth chapter says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that resurrection life and that resurrection power, he will quicken, he will make alive your mortal body. He'll bring you to the place where you understand I'm sanctified. He goes on to say, you're no longer a debtor to the flesh. You're no longer a debtor to the old man. Your old man would say, listen, you owe me. You owe me some of these things. But he says, listen, you don't owe your old man anything. He's dead and buried. You don't owe the guilt and the shame of the mistakes that you've made anything. You don't owe them the recognition. You don't owe them the time of day to say, yeah, I've done that and I don't know if God will do this for me. I've made this mistake so I don't know if I can ever attain to To look at those things of the past, Paul said, I leave those things of the past behind. Why? Because I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to move forward to the newness of life, not just go back to the old mistakes that I've made. The power of the resurrection will take you beyond your past into a newness of life. This change, this raising by the glory of God. We talked about this last Sunday night. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, where we allow the Spirit to be Lord. See, that's part of that dying out to self. It's saying, listen, I'm no longer in control of my own life and my own destiny. I lay that down. And when Christ died, I enveloped my life. Uh, That baptism is not just in water, but when that baptism into Christ, I allow my old life to be enveloped and, and immersed into Christ's death. And my old man died with him, but because I'm immersed in Christ, when he raised from the dead, I raised with him in this newness of life, this new kind of life, and this new quality of life, and the new life as the quality of the resurrection, the glorified Christ. It's that place where Romans 8 says, whom he justified, he also glorified. Where the Spirit is Lord, he begins to take the Word of God and make a change in us. And he takes us from one degree of glory to the next. He's not taking us back to our mistakes. He's not taking us back to guilt and shame and condemnation. He's not taking us back in our marriages to the mistakes that we've made. He's not taking us back to to mistakes we've made with our children, maybe in finances. He doesn't want to take us back to those mistakes. He wants those to be dead and gone and take us forward into a newness of life. He wants to take us forward into light and not back into darkness. He wants to take us from glory to glory, faith to faith. You say, how's he going to do that? 
Here in Romans 6, he tells us that. He gives us the whole explanation of what Christ did, that he died one time for everybody. And as he died to sin, he raised in life to God. And we would all say, yes, Jesus did that. That's what we're celebrating. That's awesome. He died one time. Death will never have dominion over him. He'll never die again. Yes, praise the Lord. That's what we want. And he says, if this is what you want, then likewise, you have to reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. That word reckon means you have to count yourself. You have to literally say that old stuff is not a part of my life anymore. That worry and that stress, that condemnation, that guilt, because in that Sin just reoccurs. Sin governs your life. Sin governs you by the past that it tells you, this is how you were, this is how you are, this is the mistake you made, you don't have a chance anymore, don't you understand? But when you, not the enemy, the enemy will remind you of the death that sin brought into your life and try to keep you living in it. The Holy Spirit will remind you that Jesus raised from the dead and you raised with him. But you and I are going to have to reckon ourselves dead to the old man and the sin that governed the old man and reckon ourselves alive unto God. What's that going to take? Every time that sin comes knocking, you have to say, no, that's not who I am. Every time temptation comes and says, you know you desire this, no, I reckon myself dead to that. It's a conscious effort that you're going to have to make, that I'm going to have to make to say, listen, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to the good times that my flesh wanted. I'm not going back to the bad times that my flesh made. I don't owe my flesh anything, but I do owe it to my spirit to allow the Holy Spirit to lead, to guide, to direct, and to empower me into my future, which is glorious. In reckoning ourselves to be dead indeed to sin and reckoning ourselves to be alive unto God, I believe this quote is appropriate. It says, it is impossible for a person to act or behave in a way that is inconsistent with the way that they see themselves. I'll just read that again. There was no real response here. I don't know how that was at home, but I'm just going to read it again. It is impossible for a person to act or behave in a way that is inconsistent with the way they see themselves. If you see yourselves like the old man that was dictated to by sin, even though you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you keep looking back to the mistakes that you made, the desires that your fleshly nature had, and you keep looking back, there's no real way that you can walk in the newness of resurrection life because you don't see yourself that way. And I believe that's what the Apostle Paul is telling us is you have to see yourself raised to a newness of life. You have to see yourself as one who is living and developing love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness, the kindness, the faithfulness, the self-control that the Spirit of God produces. We have to see ourselves in this day being kind, being patient, being loving, rejoicing. When the news comes out, you know what? It may go longer than we thought. We rejoice because it gives us more time to continue to develop. 
when you try to say, what am I going to do now and get stressed about the finances and what's going to happen, we get to say, you know what? I, I have the peace of God that passes all understanding. When you hear the news, you want to get angry at the people who are bringing it forth. You draw on the love of God that is within you because you can see yourself developing that very character and the very nature of the one who brought you into a newness of life. So you have to reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin and alive unto God. When we understand all the power of the resurrection, when we celebrate this resurrection of Jesus Christ, he's no longer in the grave. When we think about the story, right, there's Jesus brought into trial, spit upon, beaten, bruised, takes stripes on his back. As the psalmist said, I believe that when he said, I look at myself and I see my bones, it's because he was so beaten, his flesh was so ripped away, that while he's hanging there, he could look down and see his ribs open. He could see his very bones. He's going through that process. Guess what? He went through that for you, that all the things that would seek to destroy your life, to harm you physically, mentally, emotionally, that's him bearing that for you and I. We begin to see the death that he died, and we have to say, I reckon myself to be dead indeed to sin because of that price that he paid. We look and we see that Good Friday, and we see that cross and the passion, the suffering of the cross, and we look forward to Easter. I mean, I don't know about you, but I look forward to Easter. Why? Because I just get in my imagination. I, I just get, you know, wherever it was right before dawn, and those Roman soldiers are there guarding that, their, their post, and all of a sudden something's going on. There's the earth shaking. I mean, the earth starts to shake. They're wondering what's going on. There was just an earthquake last night when Jesus died. Just understand what the earth was doing. That when he died, the earth was shaking because here's what he took on himself, the Savior of the world dying with our sin, and the earth shook. <laughs> But when the Holy Spirit came in to Jesus' spirit and brought life again, the earth once again shook with an earthquake. The Roman soldiers are like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, that big stone that took a number of men to put in there rolls away, and this angel shows up in such manifestation that they fall as dead men at the power of of God that's coming forth out of that tomb. And that light that shines out of that tomb, and Jesus comes walking out, and he's alive now forevermore. Like Revelation says, I'm alive, I was dead, but look at me, I'm alive forever and ever. He said, I showed you that picture so you could reckon yourself. You could look at what sin did to you and say, you know what, I died to that. And that might have been difficult, it might have been bad, but I look forward to my Easter. That when the power of God and the glory of God comes upon my life and raises me up in that way, that it breaks forth, and I say, look it, I was once dead in my trespasses and sins, but now because of resurrection life, I am alive unto God forever and ever. It's a newness of life. 
I'm telling you, you say, well, I've accepted Jesus. I understand this. I believe this is a time to refresh, a time to go in and to refresh and to understand. Listen, we're going into a new day and a new time, and I'm going into it with resurrection life. I'm not going into it dragging any old things, any old mindsets, any old thing that had me bound. I'm going into the new place with resurrection life. And I just want to share with you four things that I believe this newness of life will give us. Number one, it gives us a new sense of vision. When you know you've been raised to a newness of life, that the old things are dead and a new man has emerged, it gives us a new vision. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. We're going to look at it out of the Message Bible, I like the way the Message Bible says it. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. All right, I'm going to say that again. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. He says, listen, what's invisible to the spectators, they can't see it. Where you used to see where your old life was taking you, he said, listen, if you were raised with Christ and you know it, start to act like it. Start to see the things that surround Christ. Start to see the benefits. Start to see the blessing. Start to see yourself healed. Start to see yourself restored. Start to see yourself in peace. Start to see yourself joyful. Start to see yourself in all the things that surround Christ and his nature. See yourself. It'll create a new vision of who you are and how you move forward into what God has planned for you. Newness of life gives you a new sense of vision. Number two, it'll give you a new sense of authority. A new sense of authority. Ephesians, the second chapter, starting in the fifth verse from the Passion Translation, it says, even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. He said he not only saved us, but he raised us up. And after he raised us up, he seated us in a place of authority. Earlier in Ephesians 1, he says that place of authority is above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. He made Jesus to be the head over all things to the church, us, which is his body. And when we recognize and understand what Paul said to the Ephesian church in chapter 6, 
that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, we realize that all of a sudden, wait a minute, if this is where my battle is, not against flesh and blood, and he raised me and seated me in authority over principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age, I win. I win. Because that which has come to defeat me that I'm wrestling with, he seated me in a place of authority over them. And so we have new vision. We're not fighting against people. We're not struggling against the sin and the death that goes along with the flow of this world and the course of this world. No, we have new vision about what God is doing in us and through us in Christ Jesus. And whatever he wants to do in us and through us that the enemy would try to stop, we have a new sense of authority that the enemy can't stop it because we're alive from the deadness of sin that used to govern our life to now we're governed by this righteousness. Number three, resurrection life, this newness of life, will give you a new sense of purpose. A new sense of purpose. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. So when we love God, God has a brand new understanding of purpose for us. Instead of thinking, I don't know why I'm here, I don't know if I can even accomplish it because of the mistakes I've made, God begins to work a heavenly purpose in you. We begin to see even in this time where coronavirus and, and our, our stay at home, we're wondering, what, what in the world am I going to do? But if you start looking, God will give you purpose. God will cause you to go out and talk to your neighbors and see if there's any help needed there. Go on to helping hands. Go on. Your purpose is to live with the life of Christ, to live with the love of God. You have a purpose for being alive. There's a purpose in resurrection life, not just to say, whew, I get to go to heaven. No, God is taking what the enemy is working for evil, and he's working all things together for good. Why? Because you love God, and you know you've been a called according to an eternal purpose. Your purpose is now not just getting from day to day, making sure me and my wife and us two kids, my four and no more, are taken care of. No, there's an eternal purpose. God has placed eternity in our hearts and filled us with a vision and a purpose and authority to move forward and accomplish that purpose. Number four, it'll give you a new sense of the governing force in your life. A new sense of the governing force in your life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 14 from the Passion Translation, it says, Remember this, sin will not conquer you. For God already has. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. He said, listen, you're not governed by the law anymore trying to do that and the sin that goes with it, but you're governed by grace. He goes on to say, or did you not know that if you give yourself over to the old man and sin, in other words, he starts to explain this. He said, if you don't, Reckon yourself to be dead to sin. And you give yourself back to that old kind of life. You'll become a slave of sin. Or the old sin will govern your life. But when you count yourself to be dead indeed to sin. And alive to God. Through righteousness. 
He said, and you lend your members as instruments over to righteousness. He said, righteousness will govern your life, that relationship. So as we look to what the Apostle Paul said this Easter, as we begin to look past this coronavirus and say, you know what, there's a great, just as Jesus came out of the tomb and brought resurrection life and the knowledge of that to everyone, we can understand that his resurrection was our resurrection. And we can ponder that right now. And we can leave addictions behind. We can leave past hurts behind. We can leave condemnation behind. We can leave uh, uh, struggles in our marriage behind. And we can count ourselves dead to that. And we can say, I'm coming out in a newness of life. I'm going to come out of this coronavirus thing fresh and new and stronger than ever before. He said, if you're really going to find this newness of life, you have to, Jesus said, you're going to have to lose your life. And if you do, you'll find it saved through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. But if you want to hold on to your old life, he said, eventually you'll lose it. I know many of you watching right now say, I've already made this commitment to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And if that's you, I want you to celebrate resurrection, ponder these things. And if you haven't had a new sense of vision, allow that resurrection life to give you a new sense of vision. If you feel like you're under the authority of everybody else and everything else, it's not about rebellion. It's about knowing that I'm seated with him. And it's not about the people, sources that are trying to make me do stuff. It's about what the enemy's trying to do with fear and doubt and unbelief. And I have a new place of authority found in my resurrection life, that newness of life. So you know what? I was wondering what my purpose is. This is a great time to reevaluate and look at what's changing and how you're going to set your focus on things ahead. And you know, if sin, the past, addiction, hurts, wounds, guilt, shame, condemnation... It just seems to keep overriding. You want to do, you want to do different, but what the things you want to do, you can't find yourself doing, and the things you don't want to do is what you're doing, then the wrong thing is governing your life. You want to say, I want to go for God and be able to do that. It's that resurrection life, that power of the Holy Spirit that gives you that direction. And you can do it. You just have to see what Jesus did. Find yourself in Christ and reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God. If you're watching today and you say, you know what, I want to walk in a newness of life. But I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Today will be the best Easter that you've ever had. You'll get to experience Easter for the first time on Easter. The true Jesus dying for your sin, raising from the dead, and you coming forth into a newness of life with him. If you're out there watching us today, you say, I want this newness of life. I want this vision. I want this sense of authority. I want this sense of purpose. I don't want sin to govern my life anymore. Then bow your head with me and pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I come to you today. I no longer want to be the master of my own life. And so I ask you this morning, come into my heart. And be the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. 
the things that have dictated my life. And I ask you to wash them clean. I believe that you died for my sin. That you were buried. And three days later, God raised you from the dead. So that I could not only be justified, but that I could be sanctified. So I receive you this morning as Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the very first time, we believe that you're born again, you're saved, that Jesus came into your heart to fellowship with you and to lead and to guide you forward in newness of life. If you did pray that for the first time, if you'd go onto our website or go onto our app and the online tile and let us know that you did that, we would love to send you some just a little bit of literature, welcome you into the kingdom of God, celebrate this change with you. We just appreciate it if you'd go on and do that. Praise the Lord. And now we want to take this time and prepare to take communion together. As we've talked about Good Friday, we've talked about the resurrection. We want to participate in it through the elements of communion. So if you didn't have that all ready to go with you this morning, then go ahead and prepare that. And we're going to worship before we take communion as Jonathan sings this song.
What a powerful song. That perfect communion. As we talk about this resurrection life and what Paul said in there in Romans, the sixth chapter, that if we reckon ourselves to be dead in sin, that his death was our death, his life and resurrection was our resurrection. It's perfect communion. As we look to partake of the elements this morning, we want to look at them. We want to understand that. First Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said, I'm going to deliver it to you just as it was delivered to me on the same night that Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which was broken for you. And right prior to this, Paul is talking about the coming together of the church, his body. And the one facet is that his body was broken for us individually, that we identify with him, but his body was broken so that we could all be immersed into his body, the church. And today, as it seems like we may be scattered all over, instead of in one place, this bread represents his body. And as we partake, wherever we are in our homes, we are saying we are part of his body. That you know what, coronavirus, stay at home, rules, social distancing, cannot separate us from his body. We're his church, we're his body. And that union of his body is also broken to bring healing to your body, to bring restoration to his body, the church. We're in him and he's in us. It's perfect communion to say, listen, he gave his life for me. And I have allowed my life to be immersed in his. In his death and his burial and his resurrection. So he said, take, this is my body, which was broken for you. Let's all partake of the bread. It says, likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. He poured out his blood, the covenant that he really cut. He was the Son of God and the Son of Man, the Son of God. The blood of God and the blood of man was mingled in a powerful covenant that really declared that in this covenant, His death was our death, but His resurrection was our resurrection. That everything that we have belongs to Him. Our sin ended up belonging to Him, but His resurrection belongs to us through a new and better covenant. We have the right to healing, strength, provision, all that He has for us. It was ratified and it was sealed in a blood covenant that was sealed with His blood. He says, as you 
eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth my death. We declare, we show, we make a firm declaration that Jesus died for us to redeem us unto himself, to pay and make justice where sin declared the wages of sin was death. He died that death to serve justice so that we could live the life of God. He says, every time you take communion, you show that, you declare that to all the principalities and powers. You say, I have accepted his death is my death. His resurrection is my resurrection. And I declare that till he comes again for his church. So partake of that covenant in the cup. We're so thankful. We're so grateful, God. For the privilege that we have to partake of this communion. For the great joy that we have to celebrate our resurrected Christ. And in that, the newness of life that you provide for us free from sin. Only by your grace. I pray right now that you would work by your anointing. In every life, in every hurting and sick body, in every concerned mind, tormented mind, right now, by your anointing, break yokes of bondage. Free those who are bound by substance or worry. Renew faith in those who are doubting. Reach into every heart, every life. For your death and your resurrection still has the same power today. As it did the day that we see in your word. It's an eternal redemption. So I thank you. For healing those bodies. Delivering those from bondage. Creating a soundness of mind to those who've been tormented. Bringing strength to the weak. Direction to the confused. And I thank you for empowering each and every one of us to do what you've called us to do. That we are anointed to reach out in the love of God to those who don't know you and bring the life of God to them. We thank you, Lord. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. you have anything to say? Happy Easter. Happy Easter. <laughs> we'll say this as we go. And remember, before we say it, hang on here if you got your kids around. Hang on after we say what God did in Christ Jesus. Hang around for the virtual Easter egg hunt. Let's say this together. What God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall.